Hello and welcome or welcome back to Sophie Covisionaries, me Sophie Shevardnadze. This is our second half of in-depth conversation with brilliant mind, complete genius, Nobel Prize winner, Professor Gerhard Hoft, talking about whether quantum mechanics and quantum physics is just a probability and more of an esoteric notion rather than a precise science. It looks as if the whole universe was in its simplest possible form when everything got started and all that needed to be done is someone to pull the switch, not literally, but, um, well, metaphorically, and then the universe starts expanding. Uh, so where those equations come from and, uh, and who pulled the switch, that is not the kind of question that science can answer. Where is it that the micro world ends and the macro universe begins? Where is this verge? Well, it's not true that these two are totally different worlds. In fact, they're all just one world. So all those stars and planets that are roaming around in our universe, they're built of the same particles that we study in our laboratories, and the smallest units of matter. So the smallest units of matter make up everything. So if in principle, if you would know exactly what the laws are that move these particles around, then we can understand how stars and planets are made, how galaxies are made of stars and so on, and in fact how the whole universe is made. So there's no fundamental boundary between those worlds. If you throw dice very carefully, you'll know how to make uh, two sixes, right? Uh, if, if, I mean, a very agile magician might be able to throw dice such a way that he always gets two sixes. If he knows exactly how the dice works, very hard, but the principle possible. So, uh, that's, and that's what we want in quantum mechanics as well. We think there's something underneath that says there's no statistics at all. Quantum mechanics is just a, a bad language of something that's much better, but we don't understand what it is. If you're saying that there is no dice and everything is actually predicted and even a magician, if he's a really good trained one, can't put a dice the way that it is six if he wants to, mm. then does this mean that there is no place in this universe for a chance? No, quite to the contrary. Uh, as I said, the particles that the world are made of are so complex that some of their properties will be forever unpredictable. It's too complicated. And certainly that holds the human brain. I can't possibly predict what you're going to think next. It's hopeless. You can't even try. But quite generally speaking, there are so many particles in this universe that you can't predict what they are going to do. Even though their laws may well be deterministic, they are simply too complicated. And uh, this is not a little bit too complicated, but fundamentally far too complicated for us to predict exactly what they are doing. But more to the point is, we don't even have the right language to do so. So the quantum language we, we do use is so much suited to the idea of making statistical predictions that using that language we can't even say for certainty where a particle is going. Mm -hmm. So we need to modify our language and I'm convinced that this is something in, in our future, of, of, in the future of science, to figure out a language that doesn't need statistics. Not for particularly uh, for the aim of trying to predict better than anybody else what's happening, because there are far too many particles. Forget it, you can't predict where they all go. So, as soon as you say that, there's room for chance, because you can't predict where these particles are going, so you can't predict what the outcome of some experiment is. There's a meteorite coming, speeding in our direction, you can't know in advance where it will hit the Earth. It's way too complicated. So, uh, forget it. But, 
What I don't want to forget is the idea that there should exist laws that tell you that that tell every single particle exactly where it is going, not approximately, mm -hmm. in, in all decimal places exactly where the particle is going. But we don't know those laws, and today it's impossible to formulate such laws because we're using the wrong language. So when you're saying that, because uh, I've heard in one of your interviews, you're saying that th there is a level of reality of physics that is even deeper than the yeah. quantum mechanics. Yes. Is this what you mean? Are you talking about the That's language? Exactly what I mean. That there is a language where you don't need the, the f fairly familiar quantum concepts. For instance, according to quantum mechanics, it looks as if our universe is, is actually only one of many universes. It looks as if there's a universe of universes. That's the way the equations I, I, I constructed. But it's wrong. I don't believe there are very many universes. I think there's just only one. All those others are th universes that didn't materialize because the probability was just too, they were just too improbable. They happened not to happen. Only one universe came out as the universe that we are in. Hmm. And we can calculate the probability. If we would be able to do the calculation with infinite precision, that probability would be one and all other probabilities would be zero. But we can't calculate with infinite precision. Hopeless, we shouldn't even try. So we find this universe is the most likely universe from our perspective. Doesn't mean that any other universe exists or, or so, or that no other universe could exist, but there is only one. But you know how most of the people believe that universe is endless and uh, a lot of professors actually claim and believe that too. And I was reading the Nature Astronomy magazine uh, article and they were saying they had this supposition that actually universe might be, might not be endless. For instance, if you were to start walking in one direction, mm. that eventually, eventually you would come back home. Could that be true? I mean, it, it, what do you make of it? And if our reality has borders, Suppose that it has borders. What is beyond them? Right. So um, I sympathize a lot with a theory that says the universe is bounded in the sense that the surface of the Earth is bounded. Right in ancient times, people thought that if you travel in one direction on the Earth, you'll you'll end up in new countries forever. You'll never return. But now we know the, 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 the Earth is a, is a sphere. If you go fast, if you go far enough, you end and end up at the other side of where you came from, and you're back home. So, I would like to envision that, the that the, also the universe that we live in is just like that. You go in one direction, you return from the other side. And what's beyond it? And so there is nothing beyond it, uh, because there's no other dimensions than the dimensions that we are looking at. On planet Earth, in two dimensions, it's, it's, it's rounded and it's a sphere. But there's a third dimension, which is height, elevation above the ground. And that still seems to be an, in, an uh, infinite dimension. Mm. But that's only because we don't, uh, we don't know about uh, the universe being uh, returning to it back to itself. The equations we have for the cosmos certainly allow this situation in principle. So they allow the notion that the universe is like a great big sphere, but in one dimension higher than the planet Earth, so that also the concept of height uh, is included in this picture. So all three dimensions will return when you go fast and far enough. Uh, that's in principle possible, and I would find that more satisfactory as a theory of the universe, but I can't tell God what to do. So maybe the reality is something different, but, uh, but 
it would for me for me it would be very pleasing to see a theory where the universe itself is also completely finite in that sense. Then you don't need any boundary, just like there's no boundary anywhere on the planet Earth to say you can go to here but not any further. Well, there are some places that are somewhat difficult to walk into, like Antarctica, but mm. that doesn't mean mm. that Antarctica is, is any different from the rest <laughs> yes. of the universe. Um, I don't know if you've heard uh, your Korean colleagues, scientists, they have recently suggested that dark energy, the thing that actually expands our universe, may not really exist. Um, dark energy is one of the deep puzzles of today's cosmology, the science of the cosmos. Um, Einstein, when he introduced general relativity, he already noticed there's, there's one term in that you could add with your, this equation, and that term would modify the shape of the universe. And in the beginning he needed that term, then he realized he could do without that term, so he said, that was an error, I should have never had introduced that term. But it isn't Einstein who's going to tell whether that term is there, it's experiment, experimental observations. And then, uh, for some decades, there were experimental observations that accumulated, saying that there is a very small uh, constant in Einstein's equations that tells you that there's something that we now call dark energy. And the equations work much better with dark energy than without. But, now recently, mm -hmm. uh, cosmologists have been saying that they have overestimated the accuracy of their previous observations. There could be some effect that wasn't taken properly into account in the beginning. And so the conclusion that we had uh, drawn previously, that there is such a term as Einstein predicted, might be wrong, and actually that term might be zero. Hmm. I would find a theory much more understandable if that term were zero. So there is but, no such but thing? If even if that term is zero, that would still be a problem. Because the next question would be, would be why is it zero? Why did nature forbid such a term? And uh, it's just because of my lack of fantasy. I can't imagine any other value than zero for that term. Because if it is a, if it is a value that the cosmologist said, I would have a big difficulty understanding where that value comes from because it doesn't fit with all the other numbers in, in the universe. It doesn't fit with the forces that particles have on each other. It doesn't fit with our theory of gravity very well. It's just there you know, annoying us. So it's, it's, it doesn't look right. But I can't come with more valid objections than that. I, my only objection is I don't like that term. I wish it was zero. That's not good enough for any scientist. So they'll all look at me and they'll, they'll just say, say, okay, you said that, now we just continue. And uh, so uh, I think it, it would be more satisfactory as a starting point that the universe has no such term, but eventually I don't know. I, even if it has no term, I would, I would need more understanding as to why there is no such term. And this also we don't understand today. Professor, we're going to take a short break right now. When we're back, we'll continue talking to Professor Gerhard at Hoft, talking about the way universe functions. Stay with us. And we're back with Nobel Prize winner Professor Gerhard at Hoft talking about the universe, Professor. When I was a kid, um, it was still Soviet Union, and um, 
cosmosis was like a huge thing. We had cosmonauts, Americans had astronauts, yes. there were national heroes. And uh, I think like every other Soviet kid, including myself, I wanted to be a ballerina or a cosmonaut. It was this complete, not even a dream. It seemed like it was our future. It seemed like everything that was up there, cosmosis, is where we're gonna end up. All the literature that we read, that we loved so much, it was about that. Mm. And then the quantum physics, in, in you know, with it, and we're thinking, this is it, you know, we understand everything, so the next step is up there. 40 years later, the only thing I understand that we're definitely not going into cosmosis. We know nothing about it. Um, we still don't know so much about the quantum physics. The only future that actually turned out to be my present is smartphone and virtual reality. Do you think that my generation, I mean, how long am I going to live? Another 40 years maybe with, with luck? I'm just born to the virtual reality or there's still a chance of me stepping on some planet out there? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I also thought that uh, the space technology would develop faster and that by 2020, that, that I was also a kid, I thought 2020 is so far away. By that time, we'll be walking around on Mars or Venus or wherever. And uh, we'll be running around in spaceships all the time. That hasn't indeed materialized. It's a lot more difficult than people realized in, in the early days. Um, and the same for nuclear energy, by the way. I thought all energy would be nuclear and we didn't, wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't need to pollute our atmosphere with carbon dioxide because we wouldn't burn fossil fuels, we just use nuclear energy. What? So why don't we do that? And uh, it all means that the questions are more difficult than originally realized. Uh, I also think that um, uh, I would, I'm also surprised that um, uh, art artificial intelligence didn't develop faster than it actually is doing. I thought that by this time all computers will be at least as intelligent as human beings themselves. And um, uh, that also did not materialize. I think some of these things will come. I, I think that um, the cosmos, well not literally the cosmos that we talked about just But our, ex ago, our but extension to deep space, do you still think it's possible? What do you call deep space? The solar system can be reached by human Some beings. Some beautiful planet in the Orion constellation. Yeah, yeah. Well, wait a minute. Uh, don't go too fast. Uh, <laughs> okay, Mars. We, uh, our solar system has a bunch of objects which are suitable for human life in principle. And uh, they'll be probably very uncomfortable unless technology improves a lot. We'll have to be able to make very expensive homes on, on those places and I think in principle technically it's possible. We've already sent our robots to Mars and to many other places in the, in the universe so uh, all they have to do is make, make a decent house to live in and uh, all the comforts that we need as humans and then we will travel there and we'll inhabit the entire solar system eventually. Uh, these things are possible in, in time span of 50 or 100 years or something like that. Um, but the other thing you mentioned, a planet somewhere in Orion, that's another story because these are really far away. Hmm. Those stars are tremendously far away and uh, it, it takes probably thousands if not millions of years for a spaceship, a man-made spaceship to reach those other planets. 
You can't put a, a human on there because they will not survive for a million of years. Even if they are asleep, they won't divide, survive that. So because there's too much radiation and, and all that sort of thing. So um, it's uh, going to be very, very difficult for humans to travel that far. I don't think that will ever happen. But uh, robots eventually will go there. The first thing robots will do is they they, they colonize our planets. They are doing that already with Mars and the Moon. There are things landing there all the time, and they, they do the investigations. Still, in a way, this is very primitive. In the eyes of someone, say, of a few hundred or thousands of years from now, they'll say, now we really know how to send robots anywhere, and these robots will be smart enough to build uh, houses for humans to live in, and uh, then the, the humans will come after those robots. This is the way I see it. Those robots might, in millions of years of time, be able to reach those other planets. But I'm talking about millions of years, so that's, that's a long time for any human standard. Hmm. But it's short in terms of, of, of the universe, in terms of evolution. A, a million years ago, we were uh, monkeys, but um, uh, that, that is nothing in evolutionary terms. Life was a thousand times or more um, uh, 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 earlier than that and uh, has developed all the time. So in the face of evolution, a million years is not much. So if that's the time scale we have to use, and that will be the time scale at which even humanity eventually will reach the other planets, but uh, not before that. Okay, I have two more questions left. First of all, where is the quantum computer that everyone is claiming is going to be here? Well, if not tomorrow, then next week, for sure. Well. I have a slight problem with the quantum computer because it is claimed to be able to solve problems which no other classical computer can. But I'm saying at the same time that the eventually the laws of nature should be just like the classical laws. So logic should be classical logic. And I believe in that, which means that something must go wrong with the quantum computer. And, uh, but in practice the quantum computer can still uh, work very well because when things go wrong, they go wrong at a very, very tiny distance scale and time scale. So tiny that for all practical purposes, the quantum computer will function. We will need quantum mechanics to describe it and it will do miracles compared to ordinary computers. Like what? Like solving difficult problems, difficult combinatorial problems, uh, uh, search problems, finding things which are impossible to find. The, the, uh, a code breaking is a very interesting uh, uh, application for, uh, for computers. They can uh, f uh, fracture uh, very large numbers into their prime components, much better than any classical computer can. These things will happen. When? Um, that I don't know. I'm not really uh, an expert in the quantum computing business. In your, so in your view, in approximately? a couple of decades or so, okay. that compute, quantum computers will be able to do very specialized tasks, tasks better than other computers. But most tasks, uh, tasks, I don't believe, will be done better by quantum computers. So I think they should continue working with, you know, constructing old-fashioned computers because in practice they will be much better. Hmm. And also, you know, we humans, we are talented. We invent beautiful things. But then somehow we manage to make out of those beautiful things horrible things. Do you think that quantum mechanics could also be weaponized? I think practically anything can be weaponized. 
So uh, that's an awful side effect of science that our enemies can also use it. Our criminal enemies, and they can do crimes with science. Dictators in other countries can dictate the people using science. Yes, that can happen. There's nothing we can do about it. But we want to use science to, to better human lives as possible, to enable humans, humans to do things which would otherwise be impossible. You just asked about colonization of outer space. Without science, that's unthinkable. So, um, uh, so yes, uh, that's the way we want to use science, but we can't prevent that others will use science in a way that we don't like. We are not under control. We can't. Uh, just tell a dictator not to use science to you know, suppress his own people or, or things like this. Professor Hoop, thank you so much for this amazing in-depth talk about the universe and how it thank works. You. Wish you all the best of luck with your future inventions and openings and looking forward. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you.